discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. Wow, yeah, welcome to our service once again. Our Wednesday night service. I know that you've been blessed already. Hallelujah. Tonight I want to continue with uh, what I've been sharing with you. What to do with the first coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I'm talking about the third point, which is awaken to the fact that you are a servant of God. Awaken to that reality. A lot of people are not conscious of it. A lot of people are asleep when it comes to this aspect of, uh, of their life. Their lives as, as Christians. Hallelujah. You know, we are not only um, made kings for enjoyment. A king enjoys the inheritance, isn't it? The estate. But then he's also a, a responsible king. He must be responsible. Okay, so the fact that we've made kings and priests connotes the idea that we've been given some rights. There are rights as a priest. If you read in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and verse 6, let's look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and verse 6. The Bible says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, if you read the scriptures, you notice that we made kings and we made priests. A priest had, the Bible says that God told them that his portion is their portion. You know, priests were not given any inheritance. The Levites were not given any inheritance. But the Bible says that whatever was brought to God was for them. You see. And they had the best of all. Hallelujah. So you have a right as a priest. But then you have a responsibility of ministering to God. Of doing God's work. You know, of doing what God desires. God's will. Hallelujah. So um, that idea that, oh, some Christians are the ones who are you know, specialized to do some things for the Lord, and that others are not supposed to do anything for the Lord. We are just supposed to come and go. We are supposed to warm the pews, receive the blessings. I see you receiving a car. I see you receiving a house. Take it one, take it two. Take it three and take it four. And then you just receive and then you go home. And that's the end. Haven't you noticed you receive some things and it has never showed up? You see, so there's, a, there's an aspect, it's all of us not all Christians, not some have a responsibility towards God all of us are servants of God that idea that some of us are not and just a few, a few people a very small group called the clergy are the ones who are designed by God to you know, do the work of the ministry and all of that was an idea that was infused into the church many centuries ago which is written in the Bible and Jesus says he hates it 
Remember, in Ephesians chapter 4, from verse 11, he says he gave some apostles. Let's read Ephesians 4, from verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. You know, he, he admits that he gave these gifts to men. So they are specific people who are called by God to occupy some of these offices. It's called the fivefold, you know, ministry, ministry offices. You know, that God has given to the body of Christ. Hallelujah. And they have a, a purpose, a reason. There's a reason why Jesus did that, God did that. He says he gave them to the body of Christ for the purpose of perfecting the saints for the work of the ministry. So their job is to perfect or to, to fully equip, to give the, the saints all the information they need, all the materials they need to be able to do what they are supposed to do in building the body of Christ. So if you read on in verse 12, it says, for the perfection of the saints, for the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. You see, this is God's aim that they will build up the body of Christ for the work of the ministry, for perfection of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Let's read the Amplified. The Amplified is very nice. His intention was a perfecting and the full equipping of the saints, his consecrated people, that they should do the work of ministering toward building up Christ's body the church, that they should do the work of ministering toward building up Christ's body, the church. So they, they grow, they help the saints to grow and mature so that they can do the work, they can build up Christ's body. Not the fivefold building up Christ's body. The fivefold are to build the people in the body of Christ so that they will increase, they will rather build up the body of Christ and increase the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I was saying it earlier that the concept of... Uh, just a few people, you know, doing the work and the rest just enjoying and, you know, relaxing and coming every now and then to come and receive a blessing and going back. It's a doctrine that is in the scriptures that is mentioned. Jesus says he hates it. It's called the doctrine of the Nicolaitans or Nicolaitanism. And I want to show it to you. Revelation chapter 2 from verse 5. So there are two of them, Nicolaitanism and Balaamism, all together. So Revelation chapter 2, verse 5, he says, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen. This is Jesus writing through John. You know, John saw a revelation of Jesus Christ, and Jesus was giving letters to the seven churches that were in, found in Asia Minor at that time. You know, so this was the letter written to the Ephesian church, or the church in Ephesus. And he said a number of things. I don't want to go through all of that, but I just want to show you this. He says, remember therefore, verse 5, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee, and remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Verse 6, but this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So, as at this time, it was just a deed. It was something that was being done. It was not something that was being thought. The word Nicolaitans in the Greek means to conquer the people or to be elevated above the people. That's what it means. Or to destroy the people. Hallelujah. Okay, let's go on. Let's go to chapter... We are still in chapter 2 now. Go to verse 14. Chapter 2 from verse 14. So as he was you know, talking, he got to another church and he was telling them about um, what he was happy about with them and what he was not happy about with them. 
And he said this to this particular church. He says, but I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam. Who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to each thing sacrifice unto idols, and to commit fornication? Verse 15. Then he says, So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Jesus has said it twice that he hates this particular thing called that now, so at this point, it had become a doctrine. A doctrine is a teaching or something that was being thought. It had been instituted in the church. Earlier on, it was just a deed. But now it, just, it had become, at this particular point, it had become a doctrine that was being thought. And that doctrine says that all of you are not to be engaged in the ministry. Just a few of us are to engage in the ministry. So they divide the church into two parts. Clergy. That's those who are into becoming the priests, the pastors, the evangelists, and all of that. It's just us. And everybody else should get on with other things. You can be as worldly as you choose to. You can do whatever you want to do. Just come to church on a Sunday morning. Come and give some offering. Give some fight. Receive some prayers. Hear the word for 15 minutes. And go back home and you are okay. God is happy with you. That is the doctrine of Nicolaitanism. Just so that they can plunder the others. So the clergy, it's clergy and laity because they want to plunder the laity. They want to make money out of the laity. And I don't want to go into church history. If you go into church history, you'll be amazed at what the church was years ago. And how people, the clergy took advantage of the laity. It was not a small thing. People had to pay for their loved ones whom they believed were in hell to get out of hell to heaven. You know, it was, a, it was something that was being thought at that time. So there were certificates that were sold by the priests. When you buy it, you get your, your, your brother, your sister, your father transferred from hell to heaven. It was not a small thing. Yes, there were payments for everything. I mean, it was not a small thing. Payments for every single thing you could think about. Payments for prayers. And it's happening now even. You know, Balamism. The other, the other one is Balamism. If you read from verse... From verse 14, you see it. Revelation 2, 14 says, But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast them that hold the doctrine of Balaam. So there's another doctrine called the, the doctrine of Balaam. Then he explains the doctrine to you. He says, Balaam thought Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to each thing sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. He thought Balak. Balak was an enemy of Israel. He was one of the kings of me. He was one of the kings of Midian. You know? And uh, they went to contract Balaam, who was a prophet of God, to come and come and curse Israel because they knew they could not get close to Israel. They wanted to destroy Israel, but they knew they couldn't. Israel was too strong. God was with Israel, so they needed someone to curse them for them to weaken, and then they can attack them and destroy them. Now, Balaam tried on three occasions to curse Israel. Whenever he stood to curse Israel, he starts blessing them involuntarily. I mean, he just starts blessing. There is no iniquity in Israel, in Jacob. I have not found any iniquity in Jacob. He was just blessing them and blessing them and blessing them. And Balak was getting angry. How come we have paid you money to come and come and curse and you are rather blessing? When Balaam realized that he couldn't curse Israel, he taught Balak what he should do to get Israel to offend God, for God to destroy Israel on his own and for them to have the advantage over Israel. So he taught Balak that they should just bring the children of Midian around Israel, the camp of Israel, and allow their women to just gallivant around the, the camp of Israel. And that no matter what the Israelites will take them as their women and start committing fornication with them. 
you see. So he taught Balak how to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things offered unto idols. That's the first thing, sacrifice unto idols, and to commit fornication. And these are the two things that God hates the most. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? So he taught them. So Balak, Balaam received money. Okay? He received money and prophesied on the behalf of those he received the money from. That was, a, that was his first error. And that's the doctrine of Balaam. Balaamism. So the clergy is separated from everybody. If you need some direction, you come, you pay some money, and then you receive a prophecy after the money has come to do what you want to do, to back you. And there's never a prophecy that says that what you are doing is wrong and that God wants you to repent. No, there's never a prophecy along those lines. It's always on the affirmative, on the positive. Whatever you need, all you need to do is to bring money, to pay money, to exchange money with the clergy. When you exchange money with the clergy, you receive your prophecy of good. So they don't care whether you are committing fornication, adultery, whatever. Makes no difference whatever it is that you're doing. If you are a killer, a murderer, whatever, just bring your money and receive your prophecy and know that God is with you. And you can go ahead and go and do whatever you want to do. That is Balaamism. And it goes along with Nicolatanism. They teach Nicolatanism. That is separating themselves from every other person. You don't need to do anything. You don't need to pray to God in the evenings, in the mornings. You don't need to pray and fast and do all of those things for yourself. We will do that. Bring us Milo, Lipton, uh, Egg, and all of those things. We will do the fasting for you and pray for you. And you can go ahead and be free. You know, and go about every other business that you want to. So Jesus says, I hate this. I don't like it. I hate it with all of my heart. It's a doctrine that has gone from that time up to date. And right now it happens. It's happening right now. You, you know what I'm talking about. You know, they're all over on the TV collecting money and prophesying. Whether you are in right standing with God or not, whether you're a Christian or not, makes no difference. The most important thing is that you just bring the money, you get your prophecy. Just bring the money, you get the prophecy. They don't care what it is. They teach that, oh, you can come in for indication, it's normal. It's normal, it's okay. The Lord is with you. You can sacrifice unto idols. You can do here a little and do there a little. Everything is okay. Just make sure you bring your money. <laughs> Hallelujah. So it's something that God hates. Because in God's heart, he wants everyone, all of God's children, to be involved in his work. Everybody, there's nothing like clergy and laity. There's nothing like that. We are all clergy. We are all priests unto God. In First Peter chapter two, verse five. Look at First Peter two five. He says, "Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house." Then he says, "An holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ." I don't know if you're seeing it. He says, "Ye also as living stones or lively stones are built up a spiritual house, an holy priesthood. We are all a priesthood." To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Then if you jump to verse 9, look at verse 9. It says, but you are chosen generation, a royal priesthood, or king priests. We are all priests unto God. A holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show for the praise of him that has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So all of us are priests. All of us, not some. All of us are priests. And all of us have a responsibility. We have a service to God. And remember what I told you on Sunday. We are all judged. We are going to be judged as servants. Hallelujah. So don't fall victim to that doctrine of Nicolaitanism. Know God for yourself. If you don't know God for yourself, any small thing you, you just want to call your pastor. You want to call your pastor for everything. Now remember, pastors, 
Pastors pray, but they don't actually pray for, for you like that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can't, you can't depend on someone's prayers. Forget it. You need to learn how to pray for yourself. You need to learn the word of God for yourself. You need, you need to do that so that you can defend yourself. God wants you to have his power available. To, he wants you to be able to use his power. Not always calling. How can you call your pastor at 2 a.m.? That you should pray for your child because your child is, is, is not breathing. He may not, some pastor's phones are off in the night. They want to be able to rest. Which job does not end? You get it? Which job has no break? It's only the pastoral job that has no break. So, but sometimes they want to go on a break, so they'll put it off. Or they'll not even pick it up. They'll put it on silence. They'll call you in the morning. And if you don't know the word of God for yourself, you don't know about your authority in Christ, how that you can stand by the power of the Holy Ghost and instruct for things and command for things to happen, you know, if you don't know all of that and you are just depending on your pastor's prayer, then you're going to have a problem. You lose everything and you start insulting the church. You know, it's not the church's fault. It is your fault. It's your fault. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So all of us are priests and kings unto God. And all of us are called to serve him. Remember, the last time I showed you concerning, there are two aspects. The first aspect is to live for him. He's expect, because you are his servant, he's expecting you to live for him. And I showed it to you on Sunday. He's expecting you to live. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. Just along that line and then we'll continue. Okay? Ephesians 4 1. This I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Let's read the Amplified so that we understand even some more. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord appeal to and beg you to walk, lead a life worthy of the divine calling to which you have been called with behavior that is a credit to the summons to God's service. How is isn't it? Let me read it again. Maybe you didn't see it. I therefore the prisoner for the Lord appeal to and beg you to walk lead a life worthy of the divine calling to which you have been called with behavior that is a credit to the summons to God's service. Behavior that is a credit to the summons that God has given to you, to his service. So you can't live like every other person. You're a servant of God. As a child of God, you're a servant of God. There should be a clear difference between you and those at work. You see, there should be a clear difference between you and those in your class. Clear difference. Because when they go out boozing, you are not joining them. When they go out fornicating, you are not joining them. When they go out insulting, you are not, you are not following them. You are not like them. You are different. He says, and such were some of you. But you are washed. You are justified. So he's expecting, God is expecting to live for him. He's expecting you to live for him. He says, with behavior, that is a credit to the summons to God's service. Because he will watch you, he will judge you along those lines. You live for me. Next verse, look at next verse 2. Fill in the Amplify. This living as becomes you with complete lowliness of mind, humility, and meekness, unselfishness, gentleness, mildness, with patience, bearing with one another, and making allowances because you love one another. Have you seen it? Wow. Next verse, verse 3. Be eager and strive earnestly to guard and keep the harmony and oneness of and produced by the Spirit in the, begin, in the binding power of peace. He goes on and on and on and on. He's trying to let you know that the love that exists between you and your fellow brethren in the house of God should be very strong. Never betray that love. Never think that you are higher than somebody. I'll show it to you the last time. Because we cannot work together. We are not built individually. We are built together. 
We are built corporately, remember. It says that we are being built together as a spiritual house and holy priesthood. Not being built individually. We are being built together. You need me, I need you. You see, you need me, I need you. So that we can all grow together. If I'm insulting you, how can you help me? If I'm cursing you in my heart, how can you help me? If you are doing the same to me, how can I help you? If I'm annoying you and I stand to preach, you will not be able to listen to what I'm saying because you are angry about one thing or the other. So he says there should always be a bond of peace, perfect bond of peace that exists between us so that we can do the work that God has called us to do together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the first thing. He's expecting you to live for him. And I said so many things about that the last time. He's expecting you to be a forgiving servant. A forgiving servant. One who is into forgiveness. You see. Look at James chapter 5. Let's read James chapter 5 verse 16. He says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. Let's read the Amplified. It's very nice. In the Amplified, it says, confess to one another therefore your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. Then it goes on the NS heartfelt, continual prayer of a righteous man, makes a menace for available dynamic. We know that part, but the first part is what I want to show you. Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. Some people are sick, spiritually speaking, because They've offended others and they don't want to say sorry. They don't want to say sorry. He says, confess your faults one to another. Can you tell your brother that, oh, I was just thinking badly about you the last time. And I'm sorry that I was thinking like that. Please forgive me. Can you do that? I mean, the person doesn't know what you even thought. But can you come out and say that, oh, I've been thinking. When we start doing some of those things, eh, it means that our maturity is very high. Very, 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 very high. Yeah, when you can come out and come and say that I was not thinking right about you. When you did when you did A B C D, I thought you were you were a very foolish boy. But you know, as I was sitting there, the Holy Spirit pray, because the Holy Spirit always pricks you in your heart that this thought that you have about this person is not good. He says, confess your faults one to another. Of course, not everything that you say. But I mean, if you realize that what you were what you were thinking was very bad about that person, and you have the opportunity to say something, or you even went ahead to do something bad to that person, where that person knew it was you. Come out and tell the person that, listen, I, dis- I did this. I'm sorry. He says, confess your faults. And then he says, pray. So the other person is supposed to pray for you. Pray one for another so that you may be restored. Amazing. Isn't that amazing? God is expecting us to live for him like this. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, Pastor Benihin was talking about something that uh, Kenneth Copeland you know, said to him. Kenneth Copeland came out to tell him that some time ago I used to think very bad about you. And I said this and that and that and that about you. I'm so sorry, forgive me. Can you imagine? Ben Hinn was not there. He was not close to him at all. He just saw him on TV about something and then he criticized him. And he came out to tell him after some time that this is what happened. The police pricked me. And he pricked me to tell you. Now, that is a very high, he's very high spiritually speaking. Yes, it's very, very high spirituality. Just so that the work of God can flow as it's supposed to. Without us living in harmony, <laughs> there's no work of God that can happen. And if you are building your stone, 
and I'm building my stone. That is not a house. There's no beauty in it. When the stones are piled on each other appropriately by the architects, then we can have a beautiful house. So the other thing is to work for the Lord. Being a servant has to do with working for the Lord. So he says, the next one is, our Lord is expecting all of us to work for him. He's expecting all of us to work for him. I think that is obvious by now. I'm going to explain um, there are two aspects of our work for him. There's the general work or the general responsibilities that we have, and then there are specific responsibilities that God gives to all of us to perform, to accomplish. I'm going to talk about that probably on Sunday. You know, But generally speaking, you know, I mean, we have to preach the gospel and all of that. You know, but I want to show you a small aspect of it. So our Lord is expecting all of us to work for him. Then I wrote, allowing nothing to stop us. Allowing nothing to stop us. Because there are a lot of things that would want to stop you from working for the Lord. There are a lot of things. And the first one is yourself. <laughs> the first one is yourself. You can prevent yourself from working for the Lord. Mark chapter 8 from verse 34. Jesus spoke about these things more than any other person in the Bible. Jesus spoke about service to God more than any other person in the Bible. One of our sisters sent me a message concerning um, something that a very wonderful preacher in this country said just this past Sunday. You know, he was also preaching along a similar line and he was talking about how many times the word Lord is used in the Bible. I'm talking about Reverend Otabel. You know, and according to his statistics, about 7,839 times the word Lord is used in the Bible. And I think about 400 and something times the word God. Let me, let me look for it and say it appropriately so that I don't miss anything out. Okay? So Lord is used 7,955 times in the Bible. And the word God is used 4,660 times. Isn't it amazing? But we know him as God. He's our father and all of that. That's, that's powerful. But the concept of his lordship <laughs> and our service to him is predominant. More is, is higher than you can ever think about. 7,955 times. Can you imagine? You can't even compare it. It's almost twice the other one. Yeah, almost twice the other one. So this is a very important aspect of our lives that we cannot ignore. Okay? We have to serve God. We have to serve God. And um, we have to work for him. No matter what. No matter what. Don't allow anything to stop you. And I said the first thing that can stop you is yourself. So Mark chapter 8 verse 34. And when he had called the people unto him, with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Next verse, verse 35. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Next verse. Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. Of him also shall the son of man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his father with the holy angels. 
Wow. Are you surprised? He says that, uh, Jesus is the one who said this. I'm not the one saying it's Jesus. Jesus himself said this. You see, so he says, you can prevent yourself. It depends on what you are looking for in life. It's what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? It's not possible. You can't give anything in exchange for your soul. You can't give any bribe on that day. That's basically what he's telling you. He says, if you are ashamed of me and of my words, I'll also be ashamed of you. Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my, of my words in this adulterous and sinful, sinful generation. This is an adulterous and sinful generation. I mean, there's nothing nice about this world to be so identified with it that you can't talk about Jesus. Like your workplace is so nice and so disciplined that you can't share Jesus. You feel that, oh, talking about such, talking about Jesus here is not cultured, it's uncouth, it's not appropriate to do something like that. Oh, my class is not a place to share the gospel. It says, if you are ashamed of me, I'll also be ashamed of you when I return. This, if you suffer with me, you shall also be glorified. Keep your finger, go to Romans chapter 8. Let's read verse uh, 17, Romans 8, 17. There's a need children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. And it goes on to say, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Have you seen it? If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Let me show you another scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 11. 2 Timothy 2.11 He says, it is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Next verse. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also, he also will deny us. I don't know if you are seeing it. He says, if you deny me, me too, I will deny you. This is to Christians. It's not to unbelievers. It's to Christians. Because if you are ashamed of talking about me, because that's the first, that's the first general responsibility that we have, to talk about Jesus. To be a witness of Christ to our world, to your Jerusalem, your Judea, to your Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Everybody, not some, not some Christians, every Christian, whether you are 75 or 50 or 15, if you are born again, God is expecting you to share him with others, to reconcile many to him. That's, that's your responsibility. And he says that you can prevent yourself from doing what he wants you to do, from serving him as he wants you to by denying him, thinking that this place is too nice or this place is too cultured. You know, a group of doctors. You know, someone was asking me a question. Um, doesn't mean that I have to leave my work and do full-time ministry. Emphatically, no. That's not what God is asking you of you to do. If you read in Matthew chapter 8, Matthew chapter 28, from verse 18. Let's look at it. Matthew 28, 18. Just because I'm talking about this, I want to mention that. It says, And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go in therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. He says, go in therefore and teach all nations. The word nations there is ethnos. And it means a group of people. A group of professionals. So if you're a lawyer, you're a Christian lawyer. You're a Christian before you're a lawyer. You're not a lawyer before you're a Christian. You will not carry law outside of this world. But you carry your Christianity outside of this world. If you're a doctor... He sent you to a group of doctors. You were a Christian before you were a doctor. If you're a businessman, you're a Christian before you're a businessman. He's expecting you to win people after your own kind. Businessmen like yourself. Lawyers like yourself. Doctors like yourself. Market women like yourself. They are your people. You can flow with them. 
you know them. You know how to go about presenting the gospel to them. You know what to do to invite them. If you invite them to church, they will come. If someone who is a student goes to go and invite a, a lawyer, he may not mind the lawyer. But you who is a lawyer, you can invite your fellow lawyer to come to church, to come into your fellowship. You can organize a meeting for him to come. Tailored towards his, his salvation and his build-up in Christ. That's what God is expecting you and I to do. So he's not saying stop your work. No, if you stop your work, how, is, how are you going to bring? Because the people are in those places. They are in those places. Do you see? They are found in those places. If you go outside of this country, in the UK, in America, in Canada, in all those places, they have high walls. The, the civilization has gone in such a way that you cannot come into contact with people. You can't just knock on anybody's door. It doesn't work. The doors are not available for you to knock on. Yes, you can't knock. You can't knock. How are you going to get in touch with them? Only at work. Or in the mall. Or something. In a train. Something. Find a way to share the gospel with people. It doesn't mean leave your work and come and come and do that. No. Like I said, you're a Christian before you're every other thing. This is your life. This is the life of God lived in every sphere of your life. You have one life lived in various spheres. It's the life of God lived in your family. It's the life of God lived at work. It's the life of God lived at the other place. Share him. He's expecting to share the gospel with every other person that you meet. Hallelujah. So he says, don't be ashamed of me. I don't know if you remember what we're reading. Go back to that place in Mark. Mark chapter 8 from verse 34. Let's read it once again. He says, and when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Let him deny himself. He's not talking about you saying that I am not myself. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about losing face for him. Let's read the Amplified, probably to help us. And Jesus called to him the throng with his disciples and said to them, If any man intends to come after me, let him deny himself, forget, ignore, disown, and lose sight of himself and his own interests. Have you seen it? It says, lose sight of your own interests. Lose sight, forget, ignore, disown, and lose sight. Like you are too shy. Oh, I'm, I'm shy. I can't say this to this person. I don't feel comfortable talking to this person. What are you talking about? He says, if you are ashamed of me, I'll also be ashamed of you. Paul spoke about how that he counted all things lost and dung for the sake of the knowledge of Christ. That's uh, Philippians chapter 3. Let's read it. Philippians chapter 3. Let's read from verse 6. Philippians 3 from verse 6. It is concerning the persecution of the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Verse 7, it says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, not my Father, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but done, that I may win Christ. That I may win Christ. Can you imagine? Didn't he have Christ? He had Christ, but he was talking about winning Christ. What do you mean by winning Christ? So that you can have a place with him. That's what he's talking about. You see, you can have inheritance with him. This have, I count all things but dung, but loss. Why can't you share something on a certain page, on certain pages? People are putting all kinds of things on that particular page. You can't put what you have in Christ on that page. No, you have to be able to put it on it. Don't be ashamed to do that. Don't, be, don't, be, don't feel like, oh, I'm disturbing them. I don't feel like it's the right time to talk about some of these things. Listen, they don't care about what you think. They don't care about what you think. The Bible says that be, be instant in season and out of season. You see, let everybody know who you are and what you represent. 
and make an attempt to bring the gospel to every man's world. Count all things but dung. Deny yourself. That's basically what I was talking about. Deny yourself. Ignore your, like you, you lose face with these people. No. Don't think like that, that I'll lose face. Let them know who you are. You see, by the time you start living for the Lord, everybody will start calling you a pastor. Yeah. As, as soon as you start living for the Lord, they will start calling you pastor. Pastor. And by the time you start working for him by sharing him with others, they'll put you in another category altogether. Oh, a friend of mine, one of our brothers in church was telling me about what someone said to him recently. You know, he was just sharing the gospel with the person. He's, he's a businessman. And in the course of doing his business, he was sharing the gospel with the person. Someone said something and he said, no, it's not supposed to be like that. You have to say it like this and say it like that because this is what the word of God says. You know, and as he was talking about it, the person said, hey, pastor, are you a pastor? He said, no, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a pastor. I'm just a, a church, a, you know, member. I'm, 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 into, I'm into God. I like God. I love God. And I know I'm a servant, so I have to do something for him. Then the person said, oh, I thought preaching was left to pastors. The person said, oh, I'm a Christian, but I know that it's, for, it's the pastors who are supposed to do that. So I was thinking, you're a pastor. Every Christian is supposed to preach. Not some. If all of us were doing our job, you'd be surprised. The whole world would have heard the gospel by now. If everybody, don't depend on TV. Don't depend on, a, 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 how do you call it, Christian TV to do the work. It's not going to work. They can do something. Only Christians watch Christian TV for your information. Very few unbelievers watch Christian TV. You see, so please do what you're supposed to do. Hallelujah. Don't allow yourself to prevent yourself from doing what God wants you to do. Look at Matthew chapter 16. There's more. Like I said, Jesus spoke about these things more than any other person. Matthew chapter 16 from verse 24. Matthew 16 from verse 24. So our Lord is expecting all of us to work, to work for him, allowing nothing to stop us, including, first of all, ourselves. Then said Jesus, Matthew 16, 24, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. What is your cross? Your cross is your bedding. The sacrifice you make. Okay? That's what the cross, the cross is sacrifice. Jesus carried his cross for the purpose of sacrificing himself on that cross for all of us to be saved. Now he's expecting you to also do something for others to have salvation. It's called the sufferings that are left behind in the body of Christ. Colossians chapter 1. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Let's read from verse 23. Colossians 1 from verse 23. He says, If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Next verse. Then it says, Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you? I rejoice in my sufferings. I'm suffering about one thing or the other. I'm suffering, but that I'm rejoicing in that suffering for you. And I'm filling up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Have you seen it? Let's read the Amplified. It's nice. Even now, this is verse 24, even now I rejoice in the midst of my sufferings on your behalf. And in my own person, I am making up whatever is still lacking and remains to be completed on our part of Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, which is the church. Hallelujah. So he says there are things that you will go through because of him. And don't be ashamed to go through those things because of him. Don't be afraid to go through not being liked in a certain area, in a certain place, because you, you like God, you like Jesus, and you talk about him. Because as you start doing that, as you start your journey, serving the Lord, some people will try to avoid you. 
when they see coming, hey, the pastor is coming. Let's let's move away. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Do what God wants you to do. Okay, do what God wants you to do. It's called the sufferings of life. It's your cross. Carry your cross. It's carry your cross and follow me. Don't just follow me. Carry your portion of the afflictions that are left behind. You know, in Christ for His body's sake, for the construction of His body's sake. You must go low just so that you can present the gospel to somebody. You must leave your comfort zone just so that you can present the gospel to somebody. Makes no difference what you are supposed to do. Do it anyways. He says, don't allow yourself to prevent yourself from doing what he wants you to do. Don't think that um, money is so important. You need, you need more money. So there are things, sometimes there are things you have to forsake. There are deals you have to forsake in order to be able to do something for the Lord. There are some sacrifices you may have to make to be able to do something for the Lord at your workplace in something that you're doing. Hallelujah. Go back to Matthew chapter 16. Well, in verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Verse 25. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Whosoever shall save his life. All the attempts to save your life. Sometimes God will, God will prompt you to give a particular seed for his work to go on. And it will mean, what it will mean is that you may not be able to buy that land. Or you may have to postpone your wedding. That's what it may mean. He says, who's the one who save his life? So you want to save your life. So this money, even if Jesus comes down to come and tell me that I should give it, he should forget, I won't release it. Forget it. Because you know you've planned that that's what I'm going to do with it. You are attempting to save your life. You see, he says, whoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. If you lose your life for his sake, you shall find your life. You shall gain more. Can you imagine? Since you shall gain more. <laughs> Go to the next verse. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What shall you give in exchange for your soul? Next verse, verse 27. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. So what you did for him, reward you on that day. Whatever he lost, you get it. An hundredfold. You know, there's a place, look at Matthew chapter 19, verse 27. Matthew 19, 27. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones. So there are thrones for us to sit on, right? Judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Verse 29. And everyone that has forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. He shall receive an hundredfold. There's another place where it says, an hundredfold now in this time. That's in Matthew chapter 10. We'll look at it. We'll go there. An hundredfold now in this time. Then it says, and shall inherit everlasting life. There's everlasting life to inherit in the life to come. Amazingly. It's inheritance. That's, he's talking about your inheritance. Not the one that is given free of charge. There's another one that is with respect to your inheritance. Wow. Isn't that amazing? 
he says, don't allow yourself to prevent yourself because of a, a house, a car, or something. Because of a girl, a lady that you're in love with, you can't do some things to the Lord. No, that's not right. That's not a correct lady for you. That's not a correct guy for you. You're involved with someone you can't see, you can't really see who you are. You can't preach the gospel. No, it's not supposed to be like that. And the second thing that can prevent you from serving the Lord as he wants you to is your family. Your family. So in Matthew chapter 10, from verse 32, look at Matthew 10, from verse 32. It says, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. If you talk about me, I also talk about you. That's what Jesus is saying. If you talk about me, I also talk about you before my Father. If you talk about me with respect to people, if you share me with people, if you are not afraid, if you don't feel bad when you are talking about me, they will call you a Jesus freak. So you are free. You don't want to be identified with him. He says, if you talk about me, I also talk about you before my Father, which is in heaven. Next verse, verse 33. I think that is fair, isn't it? Yeah, if you, if you talk about me, too, I'll talk about you. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. As simple as that. I think there's no complications about it. Next verse, verse 34. Think not that I'm come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I'm come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes or a man's enemy shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. I think it's self-explanatory. No complications. The emphasis is on more than me. More than me. You love your father or your mother more than me. Meaning that if God is telling you to do this for him, and your mother is telling you to do the opposite, you go with your mom and forsake God. He says you love your mother more than me. If because of your child you can't make certain decisions for the Lord, he says you love your child more than me. If because of your wife you can't make certain decisions for the Lord, he says you love your wife more than me. He's not saying don't love your father, don't love your mother, don't... You know, there are things that is personal. You see, it's, it's between you and God. Like when it comes to, for instance, you would not, when it comes to work, if your father tells you uh, to not go for a job that is paying $20,000, you know, you are working in a place that you are being paid $200 now, and you get an opportunity to work in a place that is going to pay you $20,000 every month. And your father says, so I don't think you should go. What, what will you do? I, I, I honestly don't know what you do, but I know that <laughs> you say to your father, I'm sorry to disobey you, but I'm going. Because money, money is coming in. It's a good thing. Money is coming in. You give him all the explanations. Daddy, when I get the $20,000, you're going to get 10000 And all of that, you're going to try your best. You, you silence him, you try and do something. He says, when it comes to me, when it comes to Jesus... He says, silence your parents. 
also. Silence your brothers. Silence your children. This is for God. I'm doing this for God. I'm committed to him and nothing and no one should come between me and my God. Hallelujah. In your service to him. Whatever he tells you to do. Sometimes God will lay it on your heart to serve him fully with all of your life. And then parents become a problem. Wife becomes a problem. Says whosoever has left, has left father, mother, children, wives, whatever for my sake. And for the gospel shall I mean, it's the truth. Hallelujah. I think you are quiet wherever you are. Praise the Lord. More than me. Don't love them more than him. Let's read. Um, I think the message version is very nice. From verse um, 32. Stand up for me against world opinion. And I'll stand up for you before my father in heaven. If you turn tail and run. Do you think I'll cover for you? Don't think I've come to make life cozy. I've come to cut. Make a sharp knife. Cut between son and father. Daughter and mother. Bride and mother. Bride and mother-in-law. Cast through these cozy domestic arrangements and free you for God. I'm here to free you for God. Well-meaning family members can be your worst enemies. Because they care about you. They care about you, so they don't, they don't want you to sacrifice. They would not want you to carry a cross for the Lord. Your wife would not want you to carry a cross. They love you too much. They love you. Why are you doing this? Why are you going to this extent? Why are you giving all the money away? Why are you doing It's one of the major things that, I mean, sometimes people get married and they can't give to the Lord anymore. Because of husband or because of wife. Yeah, they can't do anything for the Lord. They can't, they can't, they can't go all out for the Lord. Because wife, children, husband, mother, father, is have come to cut those cozy domestic arrangements and free you for God. If you prefer father, that's the uh, next verse. If you prefer father or mother over me, you don't deserve me. If you, if you prefer son or daughter over me, you don't deserve me. If you don't go all the way with me through thick and thin, you don't deserve me. Next verse. If your first concern is to look after yourself, you will never find yourself. But if you forget about yourself and look to me, you find both yourself and me. I think it's a message. It's a full clear message. So brothers and sisters, don't allow domestic arrangements, family engagements, to prevent well-meaning family members. They are well-meaning. We are not saying they are bad people. They are good people. Our parents are wonderful. Our wives are wonderful. Our husbands are wonderful. Our children are wonderful. But everybody must know that when it comes to this one, can, do you prefer me being a wee smoker than serving God? Is that what you want? Do you prefer me? Because you see, if I should go out and come late, it's not because I have a thousand girlfriends. If I went out and came late, it's because I was doing something for the Lord. You see, nobody likes staying out late. A child of God does not like staying out late. But probably because of follow-up and evangelism and doing something for the Lord, an appointment you have to meet and you know, help someone with the word of God, you may stay out for a long time. You come home and your wife is angry. You come when your husband is angry. You come when your parents are angry. Where are you coming from? What is this? But if you were a bad boy, if you were a wee smoker and a club girl, your parents give up on you after some time. You know that when they talk once, twice, thrice, and you are not changing, they give up on you. 
when you come home, they say, oh, that's how he is. That's how she is. It's okay. They should let her go. I think the same should apply when it comes to the house of God. We are not going anywhere. We are just going to serve God. We are doing something for the Lord. And everybody must leave us to do what we are supposed to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, he's expecting to serve him. And he doesn't want yourself. These are the two things that will prevent you from carrying the cross. Yourself. Your desire for family. Your desire for money. And all of those things can prevent you. Your love for this world. And all of those things can prevent you from loving God as he wants you to. And then your family can also prevent you from doing what God wants you to do. They say, serve me and not, don't allow any of these things to stop you. Hallelujah. But the next one is, what type of servant are you? Are you a good and faithful servant or a wicked and lazy servant? Matthew chapter 25 from verse 14. Matthew 25 from verse 14. What type of servant? Ask your neighbor or ask yourself, what type of servant am I? He wants, he, wants to, he wants you to be a good and faithful servant. Okay. So Jesus talks about another story. Beautiful story here. For the king of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country. Matthew 25, 14. Who called his own servants, not someone's servants, his own servants, and delivered unto them his goods. He gave them his goods. Next verse. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straight away took his journey. This is what has happened. Our Lord came to come and receive a kingdom, and he gave the kingdom to us. And he gave us, everyone, something to do. He gave us all abilities. You see, several abilities, several gifts to do various things in his body, and various things to do for his body to increase. Some may have a bigger, like I was sharing earlier, there are general things that we ought to do and there are specific things that we ought to do. Okay? The general things include prayer. We have to pray. Prayer is a responsibility, not just fellowship with the Lord. It's also a resp- there's a responsibility aspect of prayer. We have to win souls, evangelism. Isn't it? It's so clear. These are two very important things that we must do. And then raising others in the Lord. Helping others grow in the Lord. Very important. Evangelism, raising others, prayer. These are the general ones. But then there are specific ones where someone has an ability to play keyboard or to play the guitar or someone has an ability to give. It's all in the Bible. Let me read some to you. Romans chapter 12. From verse 4. Romans 12, 4. For as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. Then it says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy, according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy, with cheerfulness, let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit. Then he says, serving the Lord. Have you seen it? Serving the Lord. How do we serve the Lord? He says, we have various things, various graces, various gifts. Okay, okay, go back. Go back to 
verse 6. Let's read from verse 6. Now, let's, we can read it in the Amplified. I'm sure it will help us. Having gifts, faculties, talents. Have you seen it? Talents, qualities that differ according to the grace given us. Let us use them. He whose gift is prophecy, let him prophesy according to the proportion of his faith. We can go into these things, but not today. I just want to mention them to you. These are the specific ones that are given to various individuals for various purposes for the body of Christ to be built. Then it says, he whose gift is practical service. There are those who are, whose gifts are practical service to help. It's called the helps, helps ministry. Do you see? Helps ministry. For instance, camera, the one standing behind the camera, helps ministry. It's practical service. Going on the internet and sharing the, 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 the information on what we are doing and all of that, you know, practical service, helps ministry. Those who help for various things to be done, cleaning the church, doing this and doing that. So many things. As for the helps ministry, you can be very innovative with it. It's vast. It's huge. And most Christians, most children of God find themselves in that place. Singing is, is helps ministry. All those things are helps ministry. Ushering is helps ministry. You don't see usher in the Bible. Gift of ushering. There's nothing like that. <laughs> There's nothing like that. It's part of the health ministry. Gift of playing keyboard. It's health ministry. Technical, technical people. It's health ministry. Internet, whatever. It's health ministry. It's all help. It's, it's so big. It's so vast. So he says, he who gives his practical service, let him give himself to serving. He who teaches to his teaching. So there's, there are those who have the gift of teaching. All of us are to teach. It's in the Bible, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of Christ. That's uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. Look at Hebrews 5, 12. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And now become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. He was expecting all of them to be able to teach at a certain level. So all of us have to be able to teach on a certain level. So because if you can't teach the word of God, you can't raise somebody in Christ. Whatever you are taught, you need to learn it enough to be able to teach somebody else. It's God's expectation of all of us. So don't say that, oh, these, these things, they are for the preachers. No, it is for you and for me. We are to teach, learn how to teach. But then there are those who have a specific gift and calling of teaching. God gives them special revelations of his word as time goes on. We are all teaching, but then they have a higher ability. You notice that this person is clear that this person is a teacher. Please, you understand. So he says, he who teaches to his teaching. Next verse, verse 8. He who exhorts, encourages to his exhortation. Can you imagine that exhortation or encouragement is a ministry in the Lord? People who encourage people. Because if you leave some of us, we will talk and never encourage. Yes, it's not part of our mind. The teacher may never think of encouraging the brethren, letting them know that, oh, you can, you can do it. You can become something. You can become who God wants you to become. Encouraging. It's a ministry in the Lord. It's a specific ministry that God gives to people. One person I can mention whose ministry along that line has become very huge is T.D. Jakes. Bishop T.D. Jakes. I mean, he's a, he's a master encourager. Someone like Joel Austin. It's a master encourager. That's, that's their ministry has expanded to that level. Hallelujah. Then it says, he who contributes, let him do it in simplicity and liberality. And liberality. And liberality. You understand what he's talking about? He's talking about givers. So we are all givers. We all, give, we all contribute to God's work to go on. All of us, we give our seeds and all of that. But there are some whose heart, God, God has given them ability eh, to give thousands, millions, without thinking twice about it. Yeah. Thousands without thinking twice about it. 
they work for the purpose of giving to the church. Can you imagine? That at any point in time, they will give whatever God asks them to give. Yeah. There are people like that in the body of Christ. Yeah. Maybe you are like that and you are not responding. <laughs> he wants you to respond. Hallelujah. He who contributes, let him do it in simplicity and liberality. In other words, don't, he shouldn't come and stand in front of the church and say, I just gave a million dollars to the church, so you can use it for this and use it for that. He says, do it in simplicity. Do it without anybody even seeing it. Put in the offering bowl without anybody seeing it. Let the pastor know that this is what has happened. This is what I've done. Someone gave a million dollars as offering in a certain church. Check. One million dollars. And put it in the offering bowl. That was his offering. He said God led him to do it. Called the person and told him. May you give a million dollars. Yeah. All those are specifics. He who gives aid and superintends with zeal and singleness of mind. He who gives aid. Mm? There are those who, are, who have a ministry towards helping people. Okay? Outside the house of God. They will think of uh, um, orphans. If you leave some people, they will never think. Maybe you've never thought of an orphan in your life. But it's a ministry God is expecting us to fulfill. Orphans, poor people, uh, street children, widows, giving to those people. That's what he's talking about. You see, he who gives aid and superintends. A superintendent is, uh, is a leader. Someone who takes over things. They are good leaders. We are all leaders. We are all better to be leaders. But they are those who have a calling along the lines of leadership. They can lead the church of God. Lead the house of God as they are supposed to. Then he says they should do it with zeal and singleness of mind. He who does acts of mercy with genuine cheerfulness and joyful eagerness. It's the same thing. Aid and mercy is practically the same. It goes on and on and on. I don't know if you are getting it. Yeah. So he's telling us that he gave all of them several ability, several talents according to their ability, according to what they could do. In other words, there's something God has given to you and he's expecting you to use it to build up his body, to grow his body, to cause his agenda, his aim. Our Lord has an aim. He's our Lord, remember? And he has an aim. You can't do what you want. You have to do what he wants. So he says, unto one, this is Matthew 25, verse 15, and unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability. And straight away he took his journey. Our Lord is not here anymore. He's gone. He's waiting on us to do what we are supposed to do. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. You understand what it means to trade? He went to do business with it. He went to work with it. He worked with what he had and increased in it. Do you see? If you have the gift of, uh, of helps, you may start from somewhere small. Maybe you just be um, cleaning shoes somewhere. But if you do it with all of your heart and you are committed to it, as time goes on, you'll not be cleaning shoes anymore. You'll be doing something that is way higher than you were doing before. Way higher than you were doing before. So you must trade with what God has given to you. You must do what you know God wants you to do in his body. You know it. You don't need anybody to tell you. Don't someone say, Pastor, I mean, I don't know if I have any talent. He's not talking about normal talent. There are things that we are supposed to do in the body and I've showed you, I've showed you some. I've showed you some. They are inside you. You know. It comes to you. When a person, when a lady is singing, you, know, you notice that, ah, I can sing better than this lady. What kind of voice is this? You are, it's because we have that voice because you have decided not to come, to come and sing. You who is good, you have decided not to come. We are just making do with what we have. If you feel the voice is not nice, master, bring your voice. We are ready to eat like your voice. <laughs> 
Don't hide your talent. Don't hide your ability, what you know you can do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do something for the Lord. Those are the specifics. The specific ones are coupled with the general ones. The general ones, all of us, all of us are doing it. You see. He traded with it. He traded, he moved. He did something with it. He did something with it. He moved, did something. If you're a teacher, teach people. Gather and teach. Do you see? Teach what you've been taught. Don't go and teach things that you are not supposed to. Teach the right thing that you have been taught so that you can explain it some more to some people. If you've been given the ability to prophesy, prophesy to people, help people. Because the gift of prophecy helps people. Prophesy to people for exhortation, edification, and comfort. Do you see? These are the three purposes of the, of the gift of prophecy for edification, to build people up, <laughs> for comfort, to comfort people. You prophesy things that will bring comfort to people, not tomorrow you will die. <laughs> you are dying tomorrow, so go and, make, go and do something about it. Come and sow a seed. No, that's what you're talking about. Hallelujah. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. Okay, so he says, the guy went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. Verse 17. And likewise, he that received two, he also gained other two. Next verse. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. He went to dig in the earth and hid his Lord's money. Next verse. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. The word reckoneth is account. Judging. He came to judge them. He, came, he sat down with them to do account. Next verse. This is the Bema seat judgment. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents. Saying, Lord, that gives unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful of a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. So you can be a good and faithful servant. How? By trading with what God has given to you. By working with what God has given to you. By doing what you know you're supposed to do in the house of God. By doing what you know you're supposed to do with respect to bringing people to the house of God. By doing what you know you're supposed to do by raising many for the Lord. By doing what you know to pray. You know, pray for the salvation of souls. Pray for the country. Pray for many to be born again. Pray for many to be raised. Pray. Not swerving the prayers, but committing to that. It's, it's general. It's all of us. We are all to win souls. We are all to raise them. We are all to pray. It's for all of us. Those are the general ones. Then the specific ones are also there. There are so many specific ones I can mention to you. Trade with it. Trading with what God has given to you. Or working with it. That's what he's talking about. I'm not saying go and make money out of it. Working with what God has given to you. He says the reward for hard work is more work. The more you work, the more you are given the opportunity to work some more. Because there are people who have gone without doing what they are supposed to do. And they are, their crowns are lying down. Waiting for others to inherit. Yes. So if you increase in what God has given to you to do, you will get the opportunity to take more crowns for yourself. That's the truth. Look at the next verse. Verse 22. And he also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, that delivers unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. So the issue is not with how much you received. The issue is with what you do with what you had. 
Because that doesn't make any difference. What you receive does not make any difference. The difference is what you do with what you have, what God gave to you, what you know you are supposed to do. Did you do what you are supposed to do? It's not told me I didn't have much. Uh, I didn't have a big ministry. I had just 200 people I was supposed to work with. Did you work with the 200 well? That's a question. It's not a matter of whether you had 200,000 people to work with. No. It's according to the color, what he gave to you. This is what he gave to you. Do what you're supposed to do. If you do what you're supposed to do, the body will be built. If you don't do what you're supposed to do, the body will not be built. You see. You don't say, oh, I'm not the one uh, um, who is handling this aspect. This aspect is more seen. You know, this one is more important. Me, what I do is not so important. So, he will judge you on that thing that you think is not so important. How you did that not so important thing. This, all the body is not seen. The heart is not seen. It's inside. The tummy is not seen. It's in, the, the intestines are not seen. It's inside. You may think they are not important, but if they don't function as they're supposed to, what will happen? Your body will come to a, a halt, to grind to a halt. You'll be in trouble. So don't say that, oh, I'm not part of, I'm not the, because I'm not the hearing, I am not important. Because I'm not the eye, I'm not important. All these things are written in First Corinthians chapter 12. You can read the whole thing for yourself. Just don't say that you are, because you're not the eye, you're not important. He says, even the, the bottoms, the anus, is important. It's very important. If your anus decides that no more release, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't get a release for two months, you, you have a problem. So everyone is important. Everyone in the body, you are important. You, you who is watching me and listening to me right now, you are very important. What you are supposed to do is equally important as compared to what I'm doing now. You may think that, oh, this one is more important. This one is very powerful. No, if you do yours, you, you get your reward as I would if I also do mine. It's as what you are supposed to do is as powerful and as important as what I'm doing now. Don't say, oh, I need to hold the microphone and be, be on the cameras like pastor is doing right now. Then I'll know that I'm doing ministry. No, there's nothing like that. We all have different places that we are supposed to. I didn't prophesy myself here. I didn't design myself here. No. Some of us don't even like what we're doing. Coming up on screen every time. We don't want to show up. We would prefer being behind the screen. But God has put us before the screen. You know, Joel Osteen was uh, his father's cameraman. One of his major cameramen. You know, and he has other siblings. And he never thought of preaching. When his father passed on, he said he's the one who's supposed to preach. It fell on him that you are the one who's supposed to preach. He said, no, he's not going to do it. Yeah. You can listen to his story for, for yourself. It's very interesting. You see, so he, he, it's not something, oh, I desire, desire. No, there's more than that. It's the calling of God. And you function as he has placed you, not as you prefer. Hallelujah. So the one who had the two talents, verse 22, came and said, Lord, that delivers unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two more. Two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, well done, thou good, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. You see, he didn't say, I'll make you ruler over two towns. The other place where he says that, but this one he says, I'll make you ruler over many things. Just like they all had the five. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. So it's not a matter of whether you had this or had that. What did you do with what you had? That's all. Next verse. Verse 24. So if you do what you're supposed to do, you'll be a good and a faithful servant. With respect to his work. The other one is respect to, remember, the unforgiving servant is with respect to your life. You're living with him. For him. Now he's talking about you're working for him. Did you trade with what he gave to you to trade with? 
Verse 24, it says, Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man. He started describing his Lord. Reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine. Hmm. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant. The word slothful is lazy servant. So laziness can rob you of your eternal inheritance. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful or lazy servant. Thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not stored. You know me. You, you, you say you know me. If you knew me, then you should have done the right thing. Next verse. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers at least, and then at my coming I should have received my own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which has ten talents. Continue. For unto everyone that has shall be given, and he shall have abundance, but from him that has not shall be taken away, even that which he has. That's what I was talking about. The more you work, the more you receive. You can take, because some people's own are taken from them and given to others. Because you die and leave. They die and leave the opportunities that God gave to them. There are crowns that are waiting because they didn't get those crowns. So God gives it to those who have more. If you are doing more, you get more crowns. There are many crowns more beyond what you were destined to have or you were planned to have because there are other people who didn't do what they are supposed to do. So what they didn't do will come to you. God told him that you should have at least given my talent what I gave to you, to the exchanges. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about giving his money, his talent to uh, investing it into another person. So another person will work with it and give him profit over what he gave to him. What he's talking about is that the least thing you can do as a member of the body of Christ is to give for the work of God to be done. If you can't do anything with what God gave to you, at least give for his work to be done. If someone is going for soul winning, outreach, give for the work to be done. If they are building a church building, if you can't do anything, at least you can't do anything, give for something to be done. Then you can have a profit over what you are supposed to do. I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to say. Uh-huh. That's what he's talking about. But he called him a wicked and lazy or slothful servant. Because the guy hid his talent. He dug the ground and put it there. Do you understand what that means? The ground is the earth. It's the world. He hid his talent in this world. He gave himself rather over unto Babylon. Over unto the world. That's what he's talking about. So you know you can do internet things, but you only did it for your office, for your office things. You're only doing office work. You hid all you had in this world, in this talent. You used it for the benefit of EcoBank. For the benefit of only Barclays, for the benefit of Zuckerberg, of, of Google, of Facebook, of this and of that. That was all you did. You didn't do it in his house. You didn't do it for him. You knew you had enough insight to um, win so many people at once and you used it to advance the course of that bank that you're working in or that law firm that you're working in only. You didn't do anything for the Lord. That's what it means to hide your, your talent in the earth. He hid it in the earth. He hid it in the earth. Lazy, slothful servant. I don't think that's what you are. 
No, that's not what you are. You are different. See, I'm different. I'm different. I'm different. I'll trade with what God has given to me. I'll work with what God has given to me. So that on that day when he comes, he shall say those words in my ears. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Those are the words everybody is looking for to hear. That's what we are all looking for. Before uh, um, 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 Rabbi Zacharias passed on, you know, he said something that all he wants to hear are those words. If he hears those words, he'll be okay. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Because we are his servant. We are all here to do. And you will not stay here forever. Ravi was here some years ago. Moving up and down and doing so many things. Going to various countries, flying. He, at a point he said he spends more time in the air than he does on the earth. He's always flying from place to place. Doing one talk here or the other. That was his gift. To defend the gospel. He was an apologist. You know. Defending the gospel. Getting so many people saved, atheists and all of that. That was what he did. When his time came, he left. And he said, I'm only waiting to hear one thing from my Lord when I see him. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. For some, when they see the Lord, they all say, thou wicked and slothful or lazy servant. Take that which was for him and give it to the one who had more. I don't think you want to hear that. But open up your heart. I don't know what God is talking to you about. You know. Don't look. You see, it's not husband and wife work. Like, oh, we have one calling. There's nothing like that, please. There's nothing like that. It's not a partnership. Okay. Of course, there's an aspect to it. The Bible says that uh, two is better, two are better than one. And it says, for they have a reward for their labor. Isn't it? So there's an aspect to it. But you know what you have been called to do as a wife. You know what you have been called to do as a husband. Perform your ministry. Do what God has called you to do. Don't look at somebody else. Do what God has called you to do in his house. It's not outside the house of God. Always remember that. I don't complicate things. It's not outside the house of God. It's always in the house of God. And with the house of God, with the agenda that God has given to the ministry he has given to you, the ministry you find yourself, the church you find yourself in, look at how you can expand that vision, how you can take advantage of that vision and take that vision across the world. That's what he's talking about. Not deciding that, okay, from hence what I've started a ministry. It's called Google Gob International Incorporated Limited. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about all of us starting a ministry, starting a church. That's what he's talking about. Some of us are destined to start churches. That's our ministry. You see, many people are destined to do that. Have a branch church. Start a new church. Something is there. Okay? But many of us are also called to advance the course that God gives within that particular vision. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I don't know if you've learned anything. On Sunday, I'm going to share some more with you. There's so much more to talk about along this line. Okay? So I'm going to try and help you to fulfill your ministry as God has called you to. In this name. Amen. Lift up your hands wherever you are and just thank God for His goodness, for His grace. God bless you for listening. We pray that the Word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the Word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's Word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's Word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.